Blog Talk Radio.
but yet it is your broadcast one more again. And this should be me and the coming from Centennial Island, like we come from most of the time. Me the coming from Savu, plenty of people children with the Quantum Sopranos and things like that. In Georgia, the Golden Isle, the Coastal Empire area, there are plenty of people who are from the Gullah Geechee Nation that they're from. The last Saturday and things like that, and it's we behind Gullah Geechee Unity in the community. This year, in the second year of Unity in the community, try to focus on the Gullah Geechee, but yes, steady. The weekend, over the weekend, this should have been the first time that the Gullah Nation has been involved to make sure this year thing been going through. So we want to thank all the family will become true for be part of this year because you can't have unity for just the dry meat out, you could not unity for just being the butler just by dry itself or that. They could have unified just two of them. I think they don't do that. So the thing is, for all 100 children will come from around the world, and rather ones come all throughout the Gullah Nation. I had a little bit of time. We'd be, be so glad and thank you, thank you, the 100 children for doing this show. And so many a times, people don't think it matters whether you're there or not. It does matter to the Gullah Nation. And we thank everyone who joined us on River Street for Gullah unity in the community. It was the first event. It's going to be an annual event. We're likely to change the month because we also found out very late in the game that Pinpoint has a festival that was going on as well. And many people don't realize, but all of what's called the coastal empire is also the low country. The Golden Isles are still part of the low country. And all of those things are inside the Georgia region of the Gullah Geechee Nation, including one of the major urban centers of the Gullah Geechee Nation, which is Savannah, Georgia. Now, Pinpoint sits out on the water, oyster picking and so on was still a major thing in that community. That's why they celebrated with food over the weekend. But also Savannah has been and continues to be an international port of operation, and if you were there, Delegate your Unity in the community, you saw the literal examples as they continued to traverse the waterways with large ships. Many of you who are members of the Delegate Sea Island Coalition, which sponsors this broadcast each and every week, and if you're not a member yet, go to gullahgeechee.net, G-U-L-L-A-H, G-E-E-C-H-E-E dot N-E-T and you find out more about who we do and what we do do wrong, yeah? And the Gogichi Sion Coalition is the oldest organization. It's the first one in the world to exist with the names Gogichi in a name of any group together. So it predates any other group, organization, event, commission, anything that now uses terminology Gogichi together. We're the first ones to ever do that in the world. We have been a part of advocating on behalf of our people so that they are not displaced and they're no longer chained in bondage of any kind. And so here it is that there's an economic bondage that still has a heavy weight on many of our people up and down the country, especially within our urban centers like Savannah, Charleston, Jacksonville, Wilmington. These are areas that are heavily weighted with the disenfranchisement of our people. And interestingly enough, you have heard of Wilmington on Fire here on this broadcast as well as on Gullah Geechee TV. If you don't watch Gullah Geechee TV, go to TV. You can also just go straight to YouTube, type in Gullah Geechee TV, and please subscribe. It's free. 
And so you've heard of Wilmington on Fire here and the literal disenfranchisement and murder of many of Gullah Geechee independent, self-sufficient people that happened in 1898. Well, I just want to take the time out to let you all know that the filmmaker Christopher Everett won first place for best documentary at the North Carolina Black Film Festival on Saturday. I got the information today that one of our journalists who has made us well aware of the history of American Beach, one of our black townships, as they call it, the Gullah Geechee Townships, just north of Jacksonville, Florida, okay, because Wilmington is just south of Jacksonville, North Carolina, and here it is that Jacksonville, Florida is still a place that people are struggling. It is one of the most polluted zip codes in America, along with another city here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, Brunswick, Georgia, and here it is that we had our representative, Glenda Simmons-Jenkins, won a journalism award from the Florida Press Association. So she won first place in journalism for one of the articles she did about one of our historic institutions. So all of these blessings have come over the course of this weekend. And I can say that as we continue to honor our ancestors and speak their stories, their power, their energy, and the blessings of God come alive. As you know, our flag lets you know, we be Gullah Geechee anointed people, and that anointing is showing, that anointing is thriving, that anointing is building up the power here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. So I'm thankful to know the individuals that have been honored and to know there are others out there honoring them. Well, we took the time to go to River Street to not just have a fun event, a family event that you could just come out to, but one that we could edutain you, one in which we could honor historic legacy that brought Mother Africa's children to a place like Savannah, Georgia. Although they came in the belly of the beast through hardship on a journey that took from four to six months, many of them from the motherland came to Georgia. Now, I know some of y'all already geared up, but wait a minute now. Wait. But I thought slavery was illegal in Georgia. I know somebody listening is out there thinking that right now. Well, that's why we wanted to take the time tonight during our annual Middle Passage Month commemorations on this broadcast and throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation to enlighten you. You know that's what this broadcast is always about. So let's just take a little journey back in time. Savannah was said to have been, quote, unquote, settled. Now, you know when we hear this word settled, we know there were people already here. There were indigenous American people already here. There were African people who did world trade that had already come to North America and everything. So when we hear the term settled, we're generally talking about people from Europe that found their way, got lost, ended up over here, so on and so forth. So when we talk about the settlement of Savannah being in 1733, when they came in, the Europeans wanted to stay here, wanted to make this another place, yet to place their flag and say they're claiming this area. They weren't going to do all the hard labor themselves. Chattel enslavement 
and transatlantic slave trade had already been going on for quite some time, from 1670 at a minimum, in Charlestown, in the Carolinas, South Kakalaki. So here it is that the initial Africans that ended up clearing out the land to make what has now become the city of Savannah came from South Carolina. If you've ever been to Savannah, you know that when we're on River Street, like where we were the other day where our ancestors had been sold in Savannah, that you can look right across the water and you're looking at Hutchison Island, and then behind Hutchison Island, you'll, that's Levy, South Carolina. So all they had to do was cross the creek and thing like that, edit, but bring people over into this new colony that they wanted to devise called Georgia now. So here it is in 1733, you have domesticated enslaved people. And why I use that term is these were people who had been already born over here or had already been kidnapped, brought into Carolina, had already been used there as chattel, then brought down to Georgia as opposed to Georgia allowing transatlantic trade ships to come directly into Savannah's port initially. So here it is that our people were the ones that cleared the area. They were the ones that did the open cattle raising and had the cattle grazing. This is why we have a history of the black cattle ranchers, of black cowboys and cowgirls. And I give a big shout-out to my Seminole family, out in Bracken and in Mexico right now because while we were at River Street, they were celebrating in Bracketville, Texas, Seminole Days once again this year, and they put up a new marker there to their legacy and to their ancestry. So when we're talking about clearing land, you need cattle, you need oxes, you need other things to do that job. So here it is. It was our people that did that labor. And then there was open sales of people in Savannah. They say roughly around 1740. So you're talking about seven years, a period of completion, where they get this area cleared. But now, I guess with expansion, they say, no, they want to go right ahead and start to sell folks. Well, they didn't actually yet say that Georgia would do this by law. So it became a law in Georgia that they could enslave people, openly sell people, have chattel enslavement in Georgia in 1740s. So in the latter part of the 1740s, then people were brought out of Carolina to Georgia and sold in Savannah. Many were sold and the barricades held there and sold right there on River Street. So only a short walk away, right across the cobblestone, from where we were on last weekend, was a holding pen for African people before they would be marched out, put on auction blocks, and sold right along that waterway. 
So as much as the tourists come and they walk on through and they stroll on through and they act today like they're blind, they don't hear nothing, they don't see nothing, you know, and all of this other than, you know, oh, look at the pretty water. And we watch that go on as people made speeches, as people sang, as drums played. We watch many people just stroll along of all races, creeds, and colors, genders, stroll along with no interest of even learning where they really were, what they were walking on, how it had gotten there, whose blood, sweat, and tears had built it. That spoke volumes and speaks volumes in and of itself as to why people could still re-enslave people in various forms, as I said a while ago, so easily today because people are programmed for entertainment to be educated and not to fight back. Well, it's interesting because as the growth of Georgia continued, there was then a ban on the transatlantic trade done in 1798, roughly. Now, and many of you know, I went over to London when we commemorated 200 years since they abolished the transatlantic trade there, and then it took a whole nother year later before the U.S. banned transatlantic trade, but that did not end slavery because then the domestic sales of people being transported just from state to state, colony to colony, or from area region within the colonies to another, from the south and the southeast to the deep south, and so on, still continued. True crime against humanity, because the intention was to have this continue for a lifetime. That was the intention. So now you would say, well, well, hold on then. What happened with the connection with the port? Well, we're going to get into that with a little bit more depth, because if you took the time to walk down River Street without trying to ignore what's there, without trying to block out anything that's not entertaining to you. You might have noticed that there is a marker that is there entitled Savannah and the Slave Trade. It's on River Street. It's a small kiosk-type marker. It's not a huge marker, but it's only within feet of the monument, the African family, that stands there. And we were there for the unveiling of that as well. And one of our Wisdom Circle Council of Elders actually posed as the male for that statue, and that's Dr. Amir Jamal Ture. And he presented on Saturday to close out the day of edutainment and education and enlightenment. So it's interesting that initially when our ancestors were being enslaved, in Georgia, and in particular, clearing and building what now has become Savannah. It became something that continued to grow. So therefore, others in other parts of Georgia, as they so-called, quote-unquote, settled there, 
wanted to have people they could enslave too. So in 1748, they said there was roughly 350 enslaved people working in Georgia. And so then they just turned ahead. <laughs> they were supposedly breaking this little law about, you know, ain't supposed to have them yet. They just ignored it. But then by 1750, then this legalization of enslavement thing became a hot topic. It became a pressure point in the political arena. And so they decided they'd reverse that policy and join the rest of them that was surrounding them, especially in the Carolinas that was right up north of them, and said, well, yeah, we'll enslave Africans too. So here it is that later on you would start to find links even further north with the city of Savannah. Rhode Island, which many of you have seen photographs if you follow me at Gullah Geechee or Gullah Geechee Nation's Facebook fan page or the Queen Quit page, which is getting quite popular, I find, on Facebook. You have seen photographs of me in Rhode Island the last few months of this year. You saw me earlier this year. You saw me at the end of last year there. And there has been a push spiritually to learn more about Rhode Island. And so I've made a few trips there and been engaged. And each trip, I've learned just a little bit more. And in particular, a little bit more about Rhode Island's connections to the Gullah Geechee Nation. Well, Rhode Island enslavers dominated the enslavement of people in coastal Georgia. They were the major enslavers. There was this link consistently between New England and Savannah, Georgia. Providence, which is the next place I want to go to in Rhode Island, Cyprian Steery of Providence delivered 13 human cargoes, black gold, black cargo, of over 1,200 Africans to Savannah. Think about that. 1,200 times 13 just from one enslaver alone. When they would advertise, they advertised, quote, superior attributes of African slaves from Gambia, Sierra Leone, the Gold Coast, Angola, and New Calabar, end quote. This was how they sold our ancestors. The same way you put something on eBay now, you put it on Amazon now, you put a description up there, you go ahead and you try to get it out, get it off your hands, but you want money for it. This is the same way our ancestors were done after having endured a journey for four to six months across the Atlantic. So many of you have heard on this broadcast about the weeping time, and you can go to GullahGeecheeNation.com, and you can look up details on the weeping time, www.GullahGeecheeNation.com. And I've talked about that because that's one of the most horrific documented stories that we know of in terms of a mass selling of our ancestors throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation all in one day at one time. And there is a marker in the city of Savannah to that occurrence 
called the Weeping Time as well that took place at the Savannah Racetrack back in 1859, a little further into time when Pierce Butler, who there are a number of Gullah Geechee's along the Georgia coast have traced their ancestry back to the plantations that Pierce Butler had where he auctioned and enslaved people, 436 people on one day. All right, he sold, and because why? Because he was in debt. Once again, you're a product. You're an asset. How interesting would it be had people taught us that assets were what came from Africa instead of telling you slaves came from Africa because it was people that got kidnapped that were then later enslaved that came from Africa, people of superior attributes. These are the writings of the people that enslaved us. Say we had superior attributes. So why would you today call yourself the N-word? which means a lazy, shiftless individual, ain't nothing superior. That's very inferior and trifling to be. But to come from people who had superior attributes so much so that they felt that the exploitation of your knowledge and your abilities and your physical and spiritual strength was an asset so much that they could buy and trade you to even pay off their debts. And now so many of us are indebted indebted to a system that does not value us, indebted to a system that teaches you to devalue yourself and anyone that looks like you. And that's why you would walk by and not want to join even in a circle of unity with others that look like you, not stop for a moment to listen to anything unless it was music playing that you could just dance to. Everything is not light and lighthearted. Some things are very heavily weighted the same way those cobblestones that I had to cross to go over to the barracoons that where our ancestors were, those cobblestones, every time I step on any in Savannah, if I step on any in Charleston, I want to move even more rapidly because I can feel the energy and the power of the pulsation of the blood of our ancestors. I can just about hear them crying out from within all those caverns that line River Street, you can hear them, you can feel them. And many times that odor that's known to Savannah, I wonder, is it really the paper mill? Or is it the blood? Is it the stench from inside of the bellies of the beast that still plague the city that once Oh, no, we don't want to save you all, but can you come work for us for nothing? Oh, well, because, you know, we're going to make it illegal here. But you know what? Well, now you're pressuring us. Oh, y'all really want them? Okay, sure. We'll not only enslave, but we'll continue to sell. We'll continue to sell African people. And so here it is that when this ban is ended and all of this back and forth, there was all nothing but political jockeying went on, what did this area become? It became an area where Africans brought their knowledge and created some of the most massively industrious, productive, 
rice and sea island cotton plantations that ever existed in the world throughout the Georgia area. Here it is that rice was one of the most profitable exports out of Georgia, but of course Georgetown County, South Carolina, produced the most of it throughout the Gullah Nation from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida. And if you go downtown Georgetown, and y'all have seen me with videos or pictures when I've been there, especially to pick up Gullah Nation Appreciation Week proclamations, there is a Rice Museum. That location was actually the auction block there. So here it is that in all these port cities today, there's a lot of tourism. There's a lot of things about work and waterfronts, but you have no greater work and waterfronts than those that were being worked by African people that had just been sold at these same waterfronts. Commerce, economics, it's what it was about, it's what it's still about. But they make you feel you no longer have superior attributes or you make yourself feel that way. And in whatever you speak, you will have. So if you keep calling yourself lazy, shiftless individuals with the N-word, that's why you don't have those who have the work ethic that our ancestors had even after crossing the Middle Passage, watching other people die, having been chained to one another for four to six months, having people vomit on you because of seasickness, having people menstruate on you because there's nowhere to go. Where are you going to be from being raped and being brought over while you're still impregnated? Raped in the fourth while you wait. After going through the door, no return. But now you gestate this baby, grows, and then as you start to get midway into it, they throw you in the belly of the beast. But then it's time that your water breaks while you're on this vessel that's crossing this mass of water. You give birth there. Or you get raped on there to end up giving birth here which now says that the mother is enslaved, the child is also enslaved, that the mother's chattel, the child's chattel. Whatever the status of the mother usually was during the transatlantic slave trade, the chattel enslavement period, that was generally the status of the child unless freedom papers were issued. And if you were pregnant, it did not preclude you from working in the rice field, did not preclude you from working in picking sea and cotton or planting it. None of these things that your ancestors did in the Senegambia, your ancestors did in Sierra Leone Salon, your ancestors did in what is now today's Liberia, were excluded from your purview, from your work, from your continuation of your African tradition. It was just replanted along with you on another coast the coastal empire. But how did it become an empire? Through the exploitation of African people brought across the Middle Passage. So here it is that their intercolonial trade with South Carolina, then the Atlantic slave trade with the Caribbean and West Africa continued. It thrived as an economic industry because the African people were thriving people. Hence why you call attributes, black gold, richness. These descriptors 
that I would love to ask all ourselves today in honor of our ancestors and in honor of one another. But they are those who seem as if they would give themselves freely to be enslaved today instead. Many are voluntarily going into the prison industrial complex. And where are they working? Again, in cotton fields and a lot of places, especially in the Deep South. Now, they're in the transatlantic slave trade. There were groups such as James Havisham and Francis Harris that built vessels for this commercial trade. And I would not say stunned because I have read so many enslavement vessels named that nothing shocks me, but it did cause me to pause and just think on the word endeavor. Endeavor used to export goods into South Carolina to re-export back to Britain and then imported uh, people out from South Carolina to sell them in Savannah. So see, a lot of times people think, well, the ships just came straight to one port here, and then the Africans were all floated. The cotton rice, the indigo were unloaded. Then they took the ship backwards and either went back through the Caribbean and picked up rum and other stuff and sugar, and then kept going back to England. But no, you have a situation where this endeavor went ahead to get goods, that they were bringing to South Carolina to the, or to get from South Carolina to Britain. And then while they picked up those goods, they picked up another good called human cargo. They then took them, sold them in Savannah. Then they could continue on with the rest of their journey of what they call the slave trade triangle, which is really circular. Goods, knowledge being exploited round about the world. And so there were other vessels that they continued to build and to continue to now engage more and more people in this thing called the transatlantic slave trade. And so from 1755 to 1767, 63%, approximately 63% is what is estimated, of Africans imported into Savannah came from the Caribbean, and then roughly 24%, they estimate, came directly from the Windward Coast Rice Coast of the motherland. From 1768 to 1771, they estimate that that changed entirely, and 86% of the people were actually coming directly from the motherland to Savannah, and not as many from the Caribbean. So just like with Charlestown settling, the initial Africans that were brought in with the British Lords proprietors were brought in from Barbados. And Charleston and Savannah have heavy, heavy, heavy Caribbean influences in those port cities. Now you understand why and why people always feel akin to the folks on the other islands because we are kin to the people on the other islands. So in 1775, the Continental Congress of the U.S., well, the colonies at that time, banned all, okay, 
enslavement trade. It's kind of disrupted what they had going on for just a little while with this international trade business back and forth to Savannah of humans. And so they continued to go back and forth, and we know they went right on the Zoom that they were doing all the way up to even when it was so-called illegal for it when the Wanderers still came in to St. Simon's Island. And many of you watch Gullah Geechee TV, you've seen the videos of the night that we unveiled the monument of the Wanderer. And those who've been to the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival, you were there with us when we paid tribute and homage to our ancestors there on, on Jekyll Island, in fact, where the Wanderer made its last voyage to. So in that region right next door to St. Simon's Island, where we unveiled it, the monument is on Jekyll Island, not on St. Simon, but St. Simon's is right next door. And that's where the Brunswick area is as well, Glen County. So here it is that there were a number of folks involved in Titian back and forth, in particular from St. James and Gory Island over in the motherland that were supplying these folks for the market. And then there was a colony. Sierra Leone is a British colony initially, and that's a story for another night. That was on the Windward Coast. This became Bunce Island, was another big sail zone fort where they would enslave us there, find us there, hold us down until time for these ships to come back, reload, take the next cargo out. So between 1784 and 1798, West African people were 78%, approximately 78% of those that got imported to Savannah, just in that window of time. One of the things that struck me many, many years ago, many decades, a couple of decades ago now, is when I first got the opportunity to go to London and planned a conference in London, I wanted to go over at a time to see what venues, what things we could do. And I took the train from London to Liverpool. And many people who were part of the inception of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, you will remember the article, which is one of the very first articles I ever posted on the Internet about my journey to Liverpool and the wind and how I had to fight it to get into what was a small exhibit then on the transatlantic slave trade and its association there with Liverpool's association involvement. Since then, I became the first woman that they had lecture at the Slavery Museum. They grew out of that exhibition space into its own museum. And I do pray at some point to go back there and present on a larger scale and to an even larger audience about our journey and our story. And as I continue on that pathway to doing it again, I learn even more of connections that I've written about some already in books with our area and Liverpool in particular. Liverpool got involved truly when the Royal African Company that was out of London and was enslaving people 
from the time that Charlestown was settled up to 1752, basically went defunct. Now I have to read more on their legacy and their story to know exactly how does that happen. But they went defunct, and then in step, this whole set of people with the Liverpool trade. And so they had such sloops come into Savannah from Liverpool as the Mary Borough. And that one came from Senegal and brought Senegalese people to the port city of Savannah across the Middle Passage. And so John and Matthew Strong, of all the names in the world, were the owners of the Mary Borough. And they had a captain named David Morton. And they told him they consigned these slaves to the mercantile firm of Broughton and Smith in Savannah. So when you see Broughton Street and Smith Street, these are the names of the people who were selling our ancestors. So to this day, their legacy is honored because it's embossed as street names. It is the addresses of buildings. At what point did we honor our ancestors this way? At what point did we honor our legacy? At what point did we honor our people? And please don't tell me we got to wait till folks die because I hear that a lot. I hear it a lot. And so here it is that we have all these things that are right before our eyes that more often not we're not even aware of. We pay no attention to. We walk on down the streets. We drive the streets. The names are there before us. We never stop and ask why. Why that name? Where did it come from? What does it connect to? Because there's things beneath that cobblestone you don't want to see. There's things beneath those Savannah Great Bricks you don't want to see. If a stone is turned over, there's something under there that you might not want to see or hear or know about. But this show is here so that we can make you aware of our story, our legacy, the arms on the gym that we have the human rights, because the human rights of our ancestors were violated the moment that the first African was kidnapped from the west coast of the motherland, from Madagascar, from Angola, from Senegal, from the Gambia, from Sierra Leone, from Ghana, from Togo, from Nigeria, from Senegal. When any of our ancestors were kidnapped, that began a holocaust. When we go to the Atlantic Ocean and we look out across it, we need to pay homage. We need to have moments of silence for all those bodies that lay beneath all those skeletons that ended up discerning whites in the salt laying at the bottom of the ocean. When we go to the creek, we need to know why this creek feels like it does, looks like it does. Who was transported on it? Just like our ancestors were transported through this intercoastal waterway from the Carolinas to Savannah, across the Middle Passage to Savannah. 
We need to respect the waters. We need to begin to be concerned as they talk about the sea level rises as we are faced with multiple tropical storms suddenly rising during Middle Passage Month. We need to respect the waters and pause for a few minutes and reflect on why this might be, who came before us, and what was their journey. So I knew I would be remiss if I did not share this tonight as a blessed as the opportunity to be on the air once again. And so throughout the rest of the year, if you don't hear me here at 7 o'clock on Mondays, trust me, I'm in the midst of a major project that you'll be happy that I am part of. But as long as God wills it that I can get here on a Monday at 7, we'll continue these broadcasts. We'll continue to share the blogs at GullahGeechiNation.com to educate and enlighten. And we thank all of you that use this radio broadcast for your classes and for your homeschooling and with your community groups to share the knowledge. We thank all of you who are part of our social media family, not only on Facebook, and again, if you're not there yet, go to Gullah Geechee Nation on Facebook and become a fan, and also be a fan of Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio there. Also, you can follow us at Twitter, at Instagram, and Periscope, at Gullah Geechee. I know my Periscope followers wondered if it was a fluke that we had a real Periscope, but finally got several broadcasts over the weekend. And we wanted to make sure that you know that we are here, that you've made us know that you are out there because many of you came and you joined in the circle and you made Kalikichi Unity in the community live up to the name of the event. And if you look at the photographs on our Facebook fan page and the numerous other photos that people are continuing to tag, you will see the libation ceremony that we did to honor Middle Passage Month to honor this journey that Africans took to this place now called Savannah, Georgia, and that they stood in the heat of the day, stood there in the cold of the winter, laying out cobblestones that had been ballasted on the same ships that were transporting them internationally and intercoastally to be sold like anything else on board that cotton that rice. I pray that any time you come to this area now and you look at the clothes you put on, you see cotton, you give thanks for our ancestors. You go to eat a good plate of gullet, get your food, you will see rice. But before you take a spoonful and put it in your mouth, I pray that you take a moment of silence and then give thanks to God for our ancestors for their strength. Because had it not been for those who could survive the Middle Passage, we wouldn't be here today. And there is a gentleman who was the son of these ancestors who we are honoring this week because the city of Savannah has declared this WW Law Week. And many of you who do watch Go Get Your TV, you've already seen us load up a video of that ceremony where they came forth to receive the proclamation. It was so long with his achievements and all the work that he did during his lifetime that they didn't even want to read that in its entirety. They read the beginning and then they read the end. But this entire week, 
There are various things that you're encouraged to walk around Savannah and tour around Savannah and see. Tonight there was a lecture downtown, and the rest of the week there are numerous places to visit that are actually, quote-unquote, black historic sites, places of the Gullah Geechee story of Savannah, all there because one man, W.W. Law, felt it not robbery, thought it not robbery to honor his ancestors, to honor the legacy of our people, to continue to read and research. And I remember the first night I ever saw him, we were at the Civil Rights Museum, and we gave him an award as the South Carolina African American Heritage Commission. And then he told us then, you can't help nobody if you don't know nobody. I've never forgotten. And later on, he and I met up again one morning in Fernandina, Florida, Old Town, where the Carnegies had chartered a boat for us to go to Cumberland Island. He, myself, and Mr. Milton, God bless the dead, W.W. Law is no longer here. Mr. Milton is no longer here. I may be the only person still here that was on the journey that day that is the Gullah Geechee, and there was only a small group of us that was invited as the guests of the Carnegie family to come over to look at what was going to be done, to look at the, the chimneys that still stood, to go to the church that our ancestors had built, and then to outline for the National Park Service what they should do should they leave this to demolition by neglect or were they obligated to hold on to these historic treasures because they were still standing? Well, tonight, I obligate you to hold on to the historic Gullah Geechee legacy that is still standing from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, along this entire intercoastal waterway along the sea islands and in our port cities. Do not let gentrification and disruption remove all that is ours. Do not let people tear down our historic places and spaces. Do not simply walk around and over and through places so someone else does a documentary that they can win awards for to put it on in front of your face and then you say, oh, I want to go see those places and then people will tell you, well, that's on them there's a marker, or well, it used to be over there, but they built these houses there. I say, be like W.W. Law and fight for the rights of the people. Read, research, write, educate. Read, research, write, educate. And most of all, stand. The violations against African people have not ended did not end with the Middle Passage. We are in the human rights era at this moment. And there is yet more for us to stand for and to confront, and most of all, to keep our legacy alive so the Gullah Geechee culture will continue to thrive. So I want to thank all of you who did the work and who was doing the work to stand and tell the stories of the Middle Passage and of our journey and of our Gullah Geechee legacy to tell it in a truthful way, not as an entertainment piece, because there ain't nothing funny about this journey. 
to, if you can, make it to Savannah this week and in particular, I encourage you to take the Day Clean Journeys tours with Dr. Mia Jamal Teray because that is the most thorough tour that I think you will find in the city of Savannah. If you would prefer a walking tour, Sister Z has walking tours. You can email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com, and we can give you more information on those. Also, go to GullahGeechee.us. GullahGeechee.us is our website. If you want to know about authentic Gullah Geechee tours done throughout the entire Gullah Geechee Nation at any given time. And so also, and I encourage you to read, to educate yourself, to write. There is going to be a book sale in Beaufort, and that port city, Beaufort, South Carolina, on this weekend coming, on Saturday coming. So make sure to go out there around noon. And it's not very expensive, but all the money that goes back into it, those of us that are friends of the Beaufort County Libraries would encourage you to come out and buy the book so that this way it gives us the money to buy even more materials for our library system. So please come out and contribute over the weekend. And then we're doing a fundraiser on September the 30th for yet another place that was built by our ancestors on historic St. Helena Island for Fort Fremont. But we will have the fundraiser at the Celadon Club on Friday, September the 30th from 6 to 8.30. We're having Caribbean night. So with all this talk of the Caribbean, come out that night. That will be a night where you can dance and we won't be mad at you. But before then, please learn why is there Caribbean connection to the Gullah Geechee Nation. I think this is an open book test at this point in the hour. So I'm going to open up phone lines now if you want to call in and comment, or especially if you were out there over the weekend. I'd love to hear from you if you're listening while we're here live. The number is 347-324-3903, 347-324-3903. And we definitely appreciate each and every one of you that made contributions at the Kalakichi Nation's booth. Again, make sure at all times to keep up with all our activities. You can email us to G-U-L-L. G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com to get on our mailing list. You can also make sure to follow GullahGeecheeNation.com and at Gullah Geechee on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope so that you can keep up with the other activities that are going on at all times as well as the various educational materials that we put out and that we put forth. And so a lot of what you've heard me talk about here it's going to be coming up in my series of books, Gullah Geechee, Africa Seeds and the Winds of the Diaspora. And if you do not already have the other volumes that have already come out in print, please go to gullahgeechee.biz, gullahgeechee.biz. Once again, G-U-L-L-A-H is Gullah, G-E-E-C-H-E-E is Geechee. No I in Geechee if it a we. There's no I in Geechee if it a we. Okay, and so we want you to make sure that you stay tuned also to Gullah Geechee TV. So, again, Gullah TV, and then for books and so on, go to Gullah And so there's so much more to our legacy than anyone else has ever written about or even that people were willing to tell. 
And so now a lot of it is coming to the surface, and we have that opportunity to share it. And we want to make sure that we continue to do that, not only here, but as I go out again on the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour, and I thank many of the colleges that are now back in session that have already contacted me for next month as well as for next year. So if you are interested in hosting the Gullah Connection and I in your city or at your institution, please go to queenquet.com, Q-U-E-E-N-Q-U-E-T.com. And you can connect there, or once again, the email is G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. I want to thank all of you for taking the time out, for thinking it not robbery, to tune in to this broadcast tonight and the various other nights. And for those who share it when you cannot tune in live, that download it to your iPads, to your computers, to your cell phones, and that continue to share it, and that continue to share this journey with us into who we be and all about our legacy. So for Hunter Chillin', Tanky Tanky, this year the Queen Quit, head from the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. Tanky Tanky for tuning in this Middle Passage Month to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.